Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, and whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your Alexa-enabled devices, I do appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We try to make sure we get as much local packed in as possible in addition to a lot of the national stuff and the burning uh, opinions and and news and uh, entertainment uh, that you look for. And we appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show. Glad to be with you back here on a Monday, June the 6th. Now, uh, it is 8.04 on your Tucson Monday morning. And as I mentioned, I do have D-backs tickets to give away, a pair of D-backs tickets to give away. So let's do it right now. There's no time better than, than right now to do it. So be caller number three. At 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Be caller number three. You'll win yourself a pair of tickets to go see the Arizona Diamondbacks take on the Minnesota Twins next Saturday, June the 18th. So 12 days from now. Uh, That game up here, of course, in the Valley, we wouldn't send you to Minnesota to watch the game. So caller number three, 520-719-1490. Good luck. Thank you for listening and enjoy the game. The Arizona Wildcats uh, got a, uh, a commitment over the weekend from a, uh, a young man who chose Arizona over the likes of Colorado, Washington State, Nevada, and Arizona State. Always good to get those guys as uh, um, Lucas Conti, defensive lineman. I was trying to remember his name. I remember his last name. I couldn't remember his first name. He's a, a three-star defensive lineman from Corona. And uh, he'll be uh, he'll be joining the 2023 class. So Jed Fish and the uh, and the group continue to uh, get commitments from players for the next upcoming class. They now have six commitments in that uh, in the 2023 class, and this is the first defensive lineman that they've gotten to commit in that class. So good to hear that. Good to see that the team is still uh, rolling on with the uh, the recruiting effort. And you know it's always it's always going on in in football. You're constantly recruiting college basketball too. You're constantly recruiting. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, some more local stuff coming up here in in hour number two. But I want to continue with the NBA talk because you know last night we saw in, in the Warriors win over the Celtics as they even that series one one that that series heads back to uh, to Boston on Wednesday night. But we saw Draymond Green start to set a tone. He set a tone early, and he set it often, getting an early technical in the game. And then after the game, claiming uh, in an interview that he knew that he wasn't going to get a second technical. And there are other players, you know, guys that, you know, look, ESPN brought on C.J. McCollum to their, you know, their morning show, and Dame Lillard has been on the, you know, the broadcasts and stuff. And there are guys who are current NBA players that have corroborated that story, essentially, basically saying – yeah, he's right. You know, he's not going to get a second technical because although he does get differential treatment according to him and according to others in the NBA in regards to officials having a quick whistle on him when it comes to those type of situations as far as you know dealing out technicals, the second whistle rarely comes. The second technical rarely occurs, especially in the postseason. 
Now, it's not right. I'm not saying that that that's that should be the case. <clears throat> However, I still challenge people to to look at what he did in last night's game after the first the first the first technical foul was legit. I felt like, look, you can't <laughs> can't do that starting off the game basically in the first what were the eight minutes of the game or whatever it was. Uh, and the officials need to make sure that they they put a stop to that kind of stuff. You can't let that stuff start you know begin to snowball and, and everything. I don't feel like anything he did after that was really technical worthy. Yes, he did go to the ground with Jalen Brown and had his legs draped over him. Most likely it was intentional, but he did a really good job of making it look unintentional, uh, where he you know kind of laid his legs on top of Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown took a, a you know took an exception to that. Got up, stood over Draymond. Draymond then gets up, shoves him in the chest. Like it was nothing more than a "Hey, don't stand over me, get off me" kind of thing. He didn't didn't swing at him. He just pushed him, like pushed him in the belly, like get away from me. And then there was a lot of jawing going on, which happens regularly in the NBA. And after that, Draymond knew that he was getting under the skin of the opposing team and just continued to yap and yap and yap. There was nothing technical worthy about it. So all these people are like, oh, it's unfair. He should have been thrown out of that game. For what? <laughs> for for engaging in a tit-for-tat with another with another player, with an opposing player? Stop. That, 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 that's, that's just ridiculous. So I would be more like – I think I'd be more upset today if – he had committed a hard breakaway foul or, you know, a situation where, you know, he had gotten a flagrant or if he, you know, legitimately like, you know, shoved a player, like two-handed shoved a player in the back a la Patrick Beverly or brushed up against an official or took a swing at another player or kicked another player, something something to that effect. I, I would be like, okay, this has got to stop. But we can't prove that he's getting the differential treatment right now because I don't think there was anything worthy of an ejection in that game last night by Dre. So we'll continue to watch it. I still think he's going to get even more differential treatment in Boston, but I think it will be going the other way. Like I think at the garden, like they will tolerate less because look, officials are, influenced by the crowd it's i mean it's it is it is a completely natural thing it's why it's why you have the uh you know you talk about the home cooking and oh we're getting home calls we're getting home calls you can say what you want about it being a myth and certain coaches are like oh we get you know we get called equally as bad on you know at home as we do on the road coaches say that all the time but the fact of the matter lies within the home team usually is on the plus side of the foul differential in basketball. It just happened. Football is different. Football is flags are thrown. Uh, you know, I don't think the home teams get any preferential treatment as far as flags go. But I think in the NBA it matters, in, in basketball specifically, college basketball too. And I have said this. This is a study that I did for a long time. And this is, you know, when I've been bored essentially over the years, I have dived into certain, you know, statistical analysis of things that are difficult to quantify in sports, such as home winning percentage in different leagues. And when I conducted that research a few years ago, I came to the realization and and ultimately that a crowd 
has a bigger input on the outcomes of games than we think it does. Because, and, and, and I'm not going to go through this whole thing. I, trust me, I, I could write a book on the, on the analysis that I made and, uh, you know, the, the hypotheses that I'd formed and all these other things. It's like, a, it's like a science project, being in eighth grade all over again. Basically, what I found and what, what my opinion of the findings are is that the closer a crowd is to the action, the more influence they have on the outcomes of games. Now, in the NHL, the crowd is separated by glass, and they're not as influential as they could be because even though they are right there and sometimes players get you know, smashed up into the glass right where you are, you are still separated by an inch, in, you know, an inch of, of, of plexiglass. So the influence is, is lessened because of that. In the NBA, there are fans who sit right on the floor, who sit inches from the out-of-bounds out of bounds line. They have drinks and food knocked over by, you know, errant basketballs or guys just simply, you know, falling out of bounds a little bit, running by, knock over the drink. It happens all the time, all the time in the NBA. Uh, in college basketball, fans are right there. Students are put in strategical places to alter the other team's ability to make shots or to get on the officials and things like that. And officials are as influenced by the crowds as the players are. As much as we hate to say it, and much we hate to think that that's the case, it's the truth. Officials are absolutely influenced by the crowds. And there are certain times where you'll look at, at a group of officials and you say, good luck getting out of here tonight. Like, good luck leaving this building. Or, you know, and, and, and the antithesis of that is, there's no way this group of official makes that call in this building. And what is the only time you hear that stuff being said? You never hear that in baseball. Like, you'll never be watching a baseball game or at a baseball game, you know, regardless of the teams playing or the crowd or whatever, even if it's a Yankees-Red Sox game in Fenway, okay, where the, where the fans are just rabid. You'll never hear, like, oh, man, this umpiring crew will never get out of this building alive if they make this call. Like, it's not – that's not the case. That, you never hear that. And it's rare that you hear it in football. And good luck. You know, every once in a while you'll, you'll see it. If, if, if a group of, of officials are huddling about whether it's, you know, this call or that call, every once in a while you'll hear it, and it's often in the most hostile of environments, usually in the SEC. Uh, you know, good luck getting out of here if you make that call. But you hear it in, like, every game of basketball. It's like there's no way they get away with making this call in this building. It's because the fans have influence on the games. They influence the officials. They influence the players. They influence a lot of things. Uh, it's why, you know, basketball teams, both in college and in pros, over the last 25 years have a dominant winning percentage over the road teams. Dominant. Most dominant in any sport by a long shot. It's because the fans influence the games. And the teams that draw the most fans have the most influence. So I don't think that this is all going to fly. And as we circle back around here, as I digress, we circle back around to this. I don't think that Draymond will be able to get away with as much in the garden as he did in San Francisco. I don't think that he'll be able to get away with all of the things. I don't think that he'll be able to feed off of the influence of the crowd on the road, especially in Boston, because those people are – listen, I've been in games. I, I've been 
every every major city in the U.S. and I have been to games in those cities. I've been to New York Rangers games. I've been to Broncos games. I've been to uh, uh, Miami Dolphins games. I've been to uh, I've never been to a game at Fenway. Never been to a game at Fenway, but it's certainly on my on my bucket list of places to go. I will tell you this: Boston fans, people talk about Philadelphia fans like, oh, Philadelphia fans are the worst. I think Boston fans are the worst. That like that to me, like they are the most unreasonable and and vitriolic fans in the entire country. Like they are brutal. And I'll tell you what, they're also uh, you know not exactly the most wholesome of people either. You know how many times have we heard about the fans in Boston chanting you know racist comments, anti-gay comments? I mean they are brutal brutal against people uh you know the, the opposing team so i i don't know i don't think dre gets gets the calls i don't think he's going to get that differential treatment uh in the garden but we'll see that game's going to be wednesday night boston's got to figure out what they're doing with their superstar because jason tatum was, it was first of all he couldn't shoot in game one what was it three of 18 i think in that game like he was terrible but he had 13 assists and was able to cover up for a lot of his mistakes. And he had three turnovers in the game as well. He was able to make up for his mistakes. He was he was distributing the ball. The, the Warriors were basically fixated on keeping Andrew Wiggins on him. Andrew Wiggins never left his side. It was like a wet blanket on him. In game two, the Warriors changed things up a little bit. They threw some mixed coverages at him. And he shot the ball better. But he turned the ball over five times in the game. He was, in that game, minus 36 on the plus minus. Minus 36. Nobody else was even anywhere near that in a blowout game. Minus 36? Like the next worst Boston player was minus 15. And that's Al Horford, who was horrible after having a great game one. Big surprise. (laughs) Minus 36. He was a flat-out liability out there. He was bad defensively, and he couldn't figure things out offensively. And, yes, he got some buckets. He was 6 of 9 from beyond the arc. A lot of those late in a, you know, in a game where the Warriors were up 26 points, and he's just coming down and launching threes. I felt like his shot selection was poor in that game. I felt like they were uh, – the, the Warriors were switching guys and putting smaller you know, players on him, whether it be Clay Thompson or who, you know, whomever – it was it was a situation where he was just settling for 21-foot, two-point jump shots in the game. You're like, what are you doing? Like, first of all, you had a smaller guy on you. Make that work for you. Or if you need to, hey, how about maybe taking a step back a foot and a half, you know, and, and making that a three-point jump shot instead of a two? Like, I just – I worry, and, and not because I'm a Celtics fan or anything like that, and, and like maybe worry isn't the right the right term. He's a he's a fantastic basketball player. He's still very young. In, in the grand scheme of things, he's very young. And, and, yeah, he's been in the league for five years and all this. Still a young player. I worry about, like, maybe people anointing him a little too soon. Like, if you watch <laughs> if you watch or you listen to Colin Cowherd, he thinks that Jason Tatum's the best player in the NBA. Like, that's just, that's just stupid. <laughs> like, you can't, can't say things like that about players like Jason Tatum. He's obviously not the best player in the NBA. Obviously. He, you know, is 
is as good as he is, there are nights when Jalen Brown is equally as good, if not better. And it doesn't happen all the time. And look, this is the NBA. There are pro players, they're starters, and they're elite athletes. They're really, really good at what they do. So that's going to happen from time to time. But I'm not sitting here ready to just put the crown on top of Jason Tatum. He's a very good player. He makes a lot of mistakes. A lot. And a lot of them are mental mistakes. And last night, a minus 36 in a game, you lost by 19? Bro, like, what are you doing? (laughs) That's, That's as bad as it gets. For the uh, for the Warriors, Steph Curry was uh, was lighting it up last night, shooting from thirty feet away and stuff, just doing his Steph Curry thing. I was having a conversation with somebody on uh, on yeah, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, just a text conversations, a little back and forth and stuff. Um, and his comment was, "Do you think that Steph Curry is one of the top five point guards of all time?" And what I returned with is. Why wouldn't you think he was? Like, why would you even ask me that question? Like, it's like, it would be like asking me, Jeff, let me ask you something. Do you think Joe Montana is one of the best quarterbacks of all time? (laughs) Like, why would you even ask me that question? And it got me thinking, like, maybe that is a legitimate question. Maybe there are people out there who believe that Steph Curry is still on the fringe of one of the top five point guards of all time. And I just... It's hard for me to wrap my brain around that. I'm like, well, and this this person I was talking to is, is older than I am. He's about 10 years older than I am. So, you know, he grew up, you know, and, he, and he's from the East Coast. He's a New Yorker. So he grew up, you know, watching, you know, that kind of era, you know, at the end of Bob Cousy and then, you know, the beginning of Jerry West out here and, you know, in the, in the Lake Show and, of course, Magic and all these. You know, he watched some really good point guards growing up, and I'm like, why would, why would you think he's not? one of the five best point guards. And then there are people like, well, he's not a point guard at all. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, again, as basketball becomes a more positionless type of, of sport, a positionless game where you, you know, maybe not every team has the ball dominant one and the prototypical two and then the three, four wing with a five center. I mean, you know, there are a lot of teams that don't roll that type of, of scenario out there. One, if you don't think Steph Curry plays the point guard position, and two, if you don't think he's one of the top five players, you don't you don't know basketball. Like he's <laughs> he changed the game forever. Period, changed it. Now maybe he didn't come in with a whole lot of fanfare and this and that. I remember watching him at Davidson, just like this kid is different. Like just watching him, he he's slight, and yeah, he's probably gonna get pushed around. But you, you know, you have to give him credit for working on that. You talk to the experts around the league and people that understand the game and coaches and things like that, people that really, really get it, and they say it's his strength that is what sets him apart from everybody else. He's strong. He's tough. He's mobile. He works hard. And that's why he is where he is. And I just it just got me wondering. Like, I'm curious to think if, there, if any of our listeners out there are like, I don't think uh, Steph Curry is one of the top five point guards of all time. I'm really interested. Like, I, like what is your list? Like, what What would your list be? You can send it to me on Twitter if you want, at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice on Twitter. I'm genuinely interested to find out, like, what your list would be if you don't have Steph Curry as one of your top five point guards of all time. I'd really like to look at that because <laughs> I just – I don't see – like, I, I was 
it was, it's weird. I, I don't watch a whole lot of, like, sports talk and stuff. I don't listen to a whole lot of sports talk. I've, I'm busy. I got other stuff to do during the day. Like, I legitimately, I'm busy. And if I get information, I get information from watching the game or talking to people who were at the game or who know the game. So I don't listen to a whole lot. So I don't, like, honestly, like, the opinions that I get to hear are when I turn the TV on in the morning when I'm prepping for the show and I've got the, the whatever their ESPN show is on and they're just speaking a lot of crap anyways. But I, I like, I, I, I legitimately, I'm like, why was this, why would this even be a question? And he was like, oh, people are talking about it. I'm like, who? Who's talking about it? Like, it took me by surprise that he would even send me that text message. So I'm interested now. Do, do people really believe that he's not one of the top five point guards of all time? I'm curious. All right. I'm going to take a timeout. Oh, first of all, uh, I want to give uh, props to the uh, the winner, give credit to our winner of the Diamondbacks tickets out there. Jeffrey, great name. That's uh, a good starter right there. Jeffrey Sizowitz, maybe? Swobitz? Jeffrey C. Congratulations, Jeff, with the five consonants to start your last name. Uh, congratulations to you, sir on your winning of the tickets. Enjoy the game uh, and uh, have a safe trip to and from uh, Phoenix if that's what you, if that's what you're doing for that uh, particular. And I uh, appreciate you listening. And, again, we will have more tickets throughout the week. I'll try not to get a concussion and miss any more shows this week. So you guys will have your opportunities to win the, sh- the, uh, the tickets right here. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk about NBA experts and what they're saying about the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook because throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers... in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Now, the $5 bet can be on the money line. It can be point spread. You can choose a player prop if you like and so much more. You can bet each leg individually or you can take that $5, combine your bets, and uh, put in play for an even bigger payout by engaging in one of the same game parlays that they offer on FanDuel Sportsbook. And the great thing is, is you can put your SGP together your way. Do it the way that you want to do it. Like, for instance, in game one, I was literally a fourth quarter meltdown away from cashing in my SGP that I had for game one. So for game three, I'm going to look for something similar. Like in game three on Wednesday, I like Steph Curry with three or more made three-pointers. I'm going to take Draymond Green with five and a half assists, over five and a half assists. And I'm going to take the Warriors. Right now, the line is three and a half. I don't know if it'll change by then. It may. But I will take the Warriors right now plus a three and a half. Now, that SGP, wouldn't it wouldn't be outlandish, but it's a nice payout, and it'll turn that $5 into a whole lot more if that's the way you want to go. And if you haven't tried FanDuel, of course, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Just sign up with my promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N, because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing in on all the action. So join today with my promo code DEAN and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. 21 and over in President Arizona. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. 
Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, we have been discussing this. We talked about it in the middle of the series as things were eroding for the Phoenix Suns against the Dallas Mavericks, and then certainly afterward when we saw things come to a, a just a screeching, ridiculous meltdown um, in the final game, in, you know, in game seven of that series where the Suns didn't even show up, and there were obvious problems between Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton. Now, I laid out for you a couple of weeks ago, just basically two days after they were eliminated, what the options were for the Phoenix Suns. And I mentioned in that that a sign-and-trade is an option. However, they in the NBA, they are extremely rare because of a, a lot of different things in the CBA where players don't have a lot of movement power in the NBA in the current status of the uh, the collective bargaining agreement with their union. However... In terms of signs and sign and trade deals, they have a little bit more power than they do in other areas, which makes sign and trade deals rare and difficult to pull off in the NBA. However, John Hollinger of the Athletic, a former general manager, uh, was 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 a GM in the NBA for for quite some time, and has now turned to uh, to writing and journalism. He writes for the uh, for the Athletic, and he was talking with. Uh, James Edwards, who is a uh, James Edwards III, who is a beat writer for the Detroit Pistons. And they believe, after discussing with one another in an article that came out this morning, that the likelihood of DeAndre Ayton in a sign-and-trade deal to the Pistons is almost likely, which they would trade Jeremy Grant, uh, the, the Pistons. Uh, the, 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 the overall deal um, is, I believe it, it would be, it's it's like so going from the Suns, it would be DeAndre Ayton and Torrey Craig leaving the Suns because there's a there's a difference of about 1.9 million dollars in salary for salary cap implications that the Suns have to basically get rid of, um, in order to take on Jeremy Grant's huge salary. And I, I don't a 21 million dollar salary that I don't think he's he has earned. I'm not I shouldn't say earned. He has not played up to the potential of that $21 million a year. So the deal is it would be Jeremy Grant, and this is just from John Hollinger working the numbers, Jeremy Grant, Frank Jackson, Luca Garza, and Carson Edwards to the Phoenix Suns for DeAndre Ayton and Torrey Craig. Now, Jeremy Grant, if he were to come to the Suns, it gives them a power forward, essentially – so that the Suns can go small. They can they can play small, and they'll have a guy in Jeremy Grant who probably won't mind being the fifth option on offense. Again, I, I look, as a, as a Phoenix Suns fan, I absolutely stinking hate this deal. I, I, can't, I, I can't say how much I dislike it enough. But it's not like DeAndre Ayton is, is helping his case. There are, you know, multiple reports. You can go on social media and you can find it where Dre is up late on his Instagram playing video games. Like, like oh, you know, you know, people are, like, posting, like, you know, videos on Instagram, like, oh, my God, yo, is that is that the really DeAndre Ayton? And it's at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning that they're playing, that they're playing uh, uh, you know, video games and such against him. So it's not like he's out there, you know, making it seem like he's fully dialed in and things like that. Like, he may be a little distracted. Um, and – 
you know, has been known to disconnect late in series, you know, with the Phoenix Suns in the finals last year and in game seven, essentially six and seven, but nobody showed up. So I can't just say that's just DeAndre. Man, I, 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 I don't know. Like I said, I think sign-in trades are still very, you know, they're, they're, well, I shouldn't say I think. They are very rare in the NBA, and they're difficult to pull off. And this could be a situation where in, in the rare occasion you find the right dancing partner and you're able to make it work with one team for another. So that would send DeAndre to the Pistons to play with Cade Cunningham uh, and a couple of the, of the, of the young pieces they have. They also have the number, I think they have the f- number five pick in the draft um, this year, which could be a multitude of, of different players. Listen, I don't want to see him go. I know that Dre wanted to play in Phoenix. He's, you know, obviously lived a chunk of his life here, wanted to play for the Phoenix Suns. I just don't know if it's a reparable relationship right now between DeAndre and the organization, whether it be specifically with Monty Williams or if it's with James Jones or Robert Sarver and the whole collective there. I'm not, I'm not sure. I know that Dre's not happy, and I wouldn't be either. You, you know, you have a lot of confidence in yourself the way that, that Aiton does, and you want the ball. And he didn't get the ball a lot of times this year. Like, there were a lot of games where they just, you know, he, he would score 10 points in the first quarter and then take two field goal attempts the rest of the game. Like, that's the kind of stuff that was happening for Aiton and the Suns this year. And it's not just the first time it's happened. And again, you make your own luck. You got to work hard. You got to find your way open. You got to make your own shots. But he's not a... He's not a ball-dominant player. He's not a wing player. He's not a guard. He's a center, a center who is relied upon for high screen and roll. There's really not a whole lot you can do in that situation. And he, he, Look, he made a good career out of it while he was here. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to flourish. And ultimately, look, I, you know, I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, but also I root for my guys. I root for you know Wildcats in the league, and I want to see them succeed. And if going to the Detroit Pistons – strangely enough, as it says, is something that will allow him to open up the offensive portion of his game a little bit more and allow his career to flourish a little bit better, then so be it. I, I, I will be happy for him, and I'll be a Pistons fan every time they don't play the Phoenix Suns. So there we go. Uh, so we'll see. We'll keep continue to keep an eye on that. Obviously, that's big news here in the, in the state of Arizona, also in the, in the NBA, because he's, you know, Probably the biggest restricted free agent in the league right now coming up this offseason. All right, we'll take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some NFL, some news going on in the world of the uh, the Shield. We'll talk about that next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, well, we're still waiting to find out who the uh, starting pitcher will be today for the Wildcats in their game against Ole Miss, the elimination game today uh, against the Rebels. That game going to be played, uh, I guess, first pitch is going to be in about an hour and 20 minutes. So if I get something, I will let you know because, again, there, there, you know, there was some decisions to be made, whether it's going to be uh, the righty, in Chandler Murphy, or if Chip Hale will go with one of two lefty options that he have there, one of them being Eric Orloff, 
the other being Holden Christensen, and it could be, you know, a situation, obviously, where it's kind of by committee, where a guy goes two and a third, you know, however long as he can go, and uh, hope to kind of keep the the thing all bandaged up together as the the Wildcats try to put together enough offense to win the game. Because, again, if they win game one against the Ole Miss, they got to play again to try to uh, eliminate them and then move on to the World Series. So we will or continue on to the to the Super, I guess. That'll be where uh, – where the uh, LSU or the winner of the LSU Missouri State game will be your Southern Miss game, sorry, Southern Missouri, uh, Southern Mississippi, geez, <laughs> Southern Mississippi and LSU playing today also to determine the winner of that region. Uh, the NFL, I mentioned Rob Walton, the heir to the Walmart throne, is the winning bidder to purchase the Denver Broncos in a record sale deal for a pro franchise, $4.5 billion. Dollars, as uh, Walmart now getting into the NFL. Rob Walton, the heir to the the throne, there, the new owner should be announced shortly that he will be the new owner of the Denver Broncos. I guess it doesn't mean he can, you know, he he won't be able to back out of it. As reports are that Elon Musk is trying to back out of his deal with Twitter. Again, that's not sports, but you know, these are big money deals, and I guess they're not over until it's officially. Signed, sealed, and delivered, but uh, those those are things that are over my pay grade. That's for damn sure. And uh, but again, look if that's if he's the winning bid and Pat Bowlen wants to sell to uh, to the to the highest bidder or maybe the best bidder, I guess maybe that's not even the highest bid. I guess we'll find out a little bit later. But it does sound like all roads lead to uh, Rob Walton being the new owner of the uh, of the uh, the Denver Broncos. So, look, we've talked about this before on what what U.S. cities, if the NFL does expand to 34 and eventually 36 teams, what U.S. cities would be hosting two teams? Because I think that's I think that's going to be the model. The NFL doesn't want to go to, you know, Portland. They don't want to, you know, start a team in, uh, you know, in, in North Dakota or, you know, anything. They're not going to be putting teams there. It will be situations like we see in New York and L.A. where big cities have two teams playing in the same building. Uh, I mentioned Dallas because Jerry Jones owns that building, and it would be a situation where he's able to, you know, cash in on the revenue of ten more NFL games being played in his building. I mentioned that Chicago is another option. Phoenix is obviously an option. It's market number five in the U.S. They've got a uh, new up-to-date facility there that is expandable for seating. What you know, whether they want to expand the seating or just keep it as is, what they do for for Cardinal games. There could be a, a second team playing at State Farm Stadium if and when the NFL decides to expand, if they keep it within uh, United States borders, if they don't go, you know, Europe or you know wherever they, they had talked about going before, which won't work, by the way. Uh, so, you know, that's that's always a possibility there. So, we'll, you know, again, that's, that's always always something that's open for discussion because I think it's intriguing uh, to me if, if the NFL were to add four teams – what cities would they play in? You know, would uh, you know? Would Miami get another team, or do they want to flood Florida with more teams, taking away from the potential? You know, Tampa and Jacksonville, and that, I mean, you know, what cities would be? But I, I certainly think that Dallas, Chicago, and Phoenix would be top three on that list for a second NFL franchise, if and when. Trust me, <laughs> we will see expansion in the NFL before uh, before too long. It will it will happen. Speaking of NFL, I didn't get a chance to talk with Tyler Drake last week. We were going to have him on um, Tuesday to dis- or we were going to have him on, sorry Wednesday to discuss 
the Cardinals, and we had found out Tuesday afternoon that Kyler Murray showed up for OTAs. He wasn't the only quarterback who surprisingly kind of showed up. And I guess I shouldn't say surprisingly because the mandatory minicamp for the Green Bay Packers did see one Aaron Rodgers show up um, for his deal, even though you know he had to put down his golf clubs for a moment to be able to uh, to show up for the uh, for the mini camp that I guess is mandatory in Green Bay for this particular situation. So uh, Aaron Rodgers has shown up for for Packer camp. We saw Kyler Murray at the OTAs, which was good news for the Cardinals, and I think shows a little maturity on the part of uh, of Kyler Murray as well. There's a report out there that Matt Patricia will be calling the offensive plays for the Patriots. If you you know if you've been following the NFL this offseason, some of the discussion has been who's going to be calling the plays for the Patriots now that Josh McDaniels is gone and obviously taking the head coaching position in Vegas. And it sounds like it's going to be Pat uh, Matt Patricia, who is look you know obviously Belichick is very familiar with Patricia, who had his failed head coaching stint in Detroit. A lot of failed coaching stints have been and and uh, begun and ended in Detroit. Uh, and certainly, I'm, I'm sure that they could do worse than that. Again, we're not covering the Patriots here, but it has been something of of note throughout this off season because there was discussion that it was going to be split between two people, uh, but they weren't exactly sure who. And now that Josh McDaniels is gone, and this, so it does sound like Matt Patricia may be the guy who's going to be the offensive coordinator, going to be calling the plays for the uh, for the uh, for the Patriots this year. And plenty of other things going on in the world of the NFL. We'll keep you a, a post, uh, you know, of everything there. Obviously, there is, you know, plenty of things as, as the mini camps begin uh, today. Really, for a lot of the teams, um, I know that Tom Brady, he is, uh, he's shown up to Tampa. There was a, I, I'd heard something over the weekend. I don't know if he, if he told it to somebody or if somebody was just reporting it or whatever um, that he felt pressured to return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, you know, would start to then, I guess, uh, confirm some of the offseason reports that there was like a, hey, uh, (laughs) we're not done with you yet. Don't just think you're getting up and walking away. And Tom, you know, being the guy who's not just going to upset the apple cart too much, I don't believe, uh, said, yeah, I guess I'll come back and play again. Just make sure you protect me. And then – all the changes happen. Bruce Arian steps down and retires from from coaching. <clears throat> so Tampa will be an interesting watch this year for sure. I mean, anytime Tom Brady is the uh, is the quarterback, they're going to be a watch. And look, look, they're a really good team still. Obviously, they have a great roster. They're still trying to coerce Rob Gronkowski to come back to the Buccaneers this year, which he is not committed to. So we'll, uh, there's a lot of interesting stories in the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers certainly being one of them. Uh, another interesting story in the NFL, what are the 49ers going to do with their quarterback situation? You know, they, they used all of that draft asset to go and move up to get Trey Lance and, and draft Trey Lance. They brought him in. He had a bit of an injury issue. He had mechanics issues that they had to work on, and it takes time to, you know, to, to fix all those things. And the things that we're hearing out of 49er camp is that, the players want Trey Lance to have more confidence in himself. And I feel like that's a natural progression for a young player who came in with a lot of fanfare and then didn't play on a team that was successful. Uh, you know, why did you, why did you 
you know, trade all of those assets away to draft me and then not play me. So I, I think part of that is, you know, obviously the game is mental. It's huge, especially for quarterbacks. Um, but we'll see. That's a that's a huge question mark. There are, you know, there are a lot of people out there that try to predict NFL seasons that are just all over the map on the 49ers. Do they win 11 games this year? Do they win seven games this year? I think they're all over the place on that one. It obviously depends on the early success, confidence, you know, slash what they've done in the offseason or during the regular season with Trey Lance and how the injury that he had uh, has panned out for them. So another another big story, of course, all those things happening in the NFL, and we will talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Be sure to tune in to Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6 as they'll have updates on all kinds of things. They'll be hopefully talking about at least one Arizona baseball victory. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when the second game is scheduled to be played. Maybe it's 45 minutes afterwards or something like that. I can't imagine they'd make them play that quickly, but you never know. I mean, maybe it's a, you know, a twi-night doubleheader or it's a, you know, morning, afternoon doubleheader. Who knows? Uh, I guess it all depends on, you know, what, you know, what, what the outcome of obviously game one is going to be the determining factor of all of it. But, uh, Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. They'll, of course, have uh, all that information for you and more. And I believe they also have D-backs tickets to give away uh, this afternoon as well. So tune in to them uh, every day. Of course, they bring all the goods for you uh, every day here on ESPN Tucson from 3 to 6. Um, I saw a funny, you know, something funny just to kind of, uh, in, you know, finish the show on today. And... There was a apparently in, in Oklahoma City. It happened uh, just a, a little bit ago, uh, maybe an hour ago this morning. There was a cow loose on the highway in Oklahoma City, and they were trying to, you know, to, to obviously to protect this little uh, this little cow, and it had gotten loose, and and so they were out there on their, you know, the like the the gator tractors, you know, kind of like the like the you know the farm version of a razor, basically. Um, and they had kind of pinned the cow up against a fence. Now, look, you know, animals and things that don't want to be caught are, you know, really slippery and difficult to deal with. Uh, I know this growing up on a dairy. Just, you just don't, like, <laughs> if they want to get loose, they're going to get loose. I've seen cows run through barn fans before. Um, this particular cow was trapped long enough, held up just long enough for a real true cowboy to ride up on his steed and bring his lasso and in a clutch grab right before the cow got to the intersection, lasso the cow and bring him to a stop and bring him down to the ground where he can safely be uh, handled and taken care of and taken out of that situation. Now, here is my suggestion to you. If you are one of those people who likes to parade around with a costume on, a cowboy costume on, complete with cowboy hat and belt buckle, I expect you to be able to ride a horse and be able to lasso a cow in danger. Okay? Don't just be wearing a costume around if it's not Halloween. All right? We expect more from you. You're dressed like a cowboy, better start acting like one. This guy put it to business. Got himself on his horse and went and rescued a cow. 
last there's a video of it on the internet. It's great. Happened this morning, just a little bit ago. Awesome stuff. Heroes don't always wear capes. Sometimes they wear cowboy hats. That is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for uh, everything, keeping us on the air here. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in. I'll see you guys again tomorrow morning right here at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.